Welcome to the Dance Centre podcast. I am your host, Claire French, and I'm joining you from the traditional unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh peoples, also known as Vancouver, Canada. I'll be talking to dancers, choreographers and other members of the dance world here on the West Coast to find out more about their creative work and practices and to discuss what it means to us to be dance professionals today. Thanks for joining us. Isaac Kazangwa, also known as Iso Dream Chaser, is an educator, creator and ambassador of African cultures in Vancouver. He is the founder of Afrobeats Van an organization offering dance classes and performances as a way to introduce, educate, and inspire Vancouverites to connect with African culture and history, as well as tackle social issues of racism and police brutality. Isaac was born and raised in Rwanda. In his late teens, after the 1994 Tutsi genocide, Rwanda and the whole of Africa changed. The internet had also arrived and developed many things, including dance. In 2007, Isaac started a dance group that won multiple national competitions. With community support, he created the first dance festival in Rwanda in 2011, as well as the first dance studio in the country. To help rebuild Rwanda after the genocide, he started a dance program for underprivileged children, and this program is still running and supporting those children who need it most. In 2014, Isaac had the opportunity to move to Vancouver, Canada, where he was introduced to a whole new world of dance. He trained in hip-hop, martial arts, and gymnastics. But the lack of diversity in any African representation was deeply unsettling for him. So in 2017, he founded and continues to direct Afrobeats Dance Van. Isaac's created events, performances, and seminars that celebrate African dance and artists. And in addition to Afrobeats Van, he also founded Black Vancouver Artistry Night in 2021 as an annual event to celebrate local creatives. Isaac is proud to be a pioneer of African culture in Vancouver, educating the community about the histories, cultures and dances of his beloved African continent. So yeah, thanks so much for agreeing to talk with me. Um, I'm excited because of course, you know, I've been, I've started to take Afrobeats, so I'm like, ah, (laughs) so great. Um, But uh, this is a great opportunity, obviously, to talk about whatever you'd like to talk about, um, but I'd like, you know, for listeners to get to know a little bit about you in your own words with your voice, mm-hmm. your history, what you're up to in Vancouver, and of course, the work that you're going to be presenting in September. And so your languages then, you speak so many languages, like remind me the languages you speak and and how, like how did that happen? <laughs> It's a uh, it's it's weird. Like the way the way Africa is is uh is very interesting. Uh, let's say, for example, uh, for Vancouver, if you live in Surrey, there's a language in Surrey. So we speak all we speak English, but then in Surrey they have their own variation of English, and then Coquitlam have their own language. So Burnaby they speak their own language. So it's easy. If you meet someone from Burnaby, to be like, wait, wait, where do you live? Hey, I live in Burnaby. And you start speaking Burnaby. Uh, so you go from speaking English that everybody speaks in Canada or Vancouver to speak Burnaby. And that huh. connects you more than just speak English that everybody knows. Like, hi, you are my people. And then if you're from Surrey, you meet somebody, hey, where are you from? Like, I'm from Vancouver, but where? In Surrey. Like, and then you start speaking Surrey. And in the conversation, both of you do. 
Yes. Like, so that's, yeah. So, I mean, this is uh, not similar to England, but there are so many accents mm -hmm. in England and even in Yorkshire and in all of those places. I don't mm -hmm. think it would be normal behavior for somebody to take on, mm -hmm. you know, the because they would just wouldn't know, right? They just don't have that kind of openness to kind of actually take on somebody else's. Or if they did, they would be making fun of them. <laughs> That would be, or they would be making fun of themselves trying to do it. You know, that those two ways, that self-deprecation. But you're talking about something else, which is, which I, I know we'll get to in this, in this podcast as well, because just from what I've learned from you being in a, a couple of your classes so far, but there is this sense of openness and being willing to take on somebody else's expression as part of you. You know, yeah. so I think that's that's so that's so exciting to me. Oh my gosh! So there are so dialects. Only, so you only know those language when you from that 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 space. Because when you go to school, let's say if you go to school, you only you all learn in in English, and yeah. then when you go back home, when you go back to Surrey, you go back to Coquitlam, you start speaking that other language. Yeah. So when you meet somebody from there, it's really to be sure because they can't lie to you. Is is from that area they speak that language. Because mm -hmm. they can't speak it that language if they've never been there. Because there's no way they have to learn there. So yeah. It's only if they live there. So that's yeah. basically in one country. There's like a fifty or sixty language in one country. Uh huh. Uh -huh. In that country, you have like twelve language that yeah. that you from. So when you you get to visit, because it's not really like our country. Like Rwanda is very very small. I feel like Vancouver is is bigger than my whole country. It's bigger than the whole. Rwanda. Bigger than Rwanda, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you can really like walk those areas. You can walk to Coquitlam, you can walk to Surrey, which means you're able to take on all these languages at the mm. same time, have the King mm. and Rwanda, which is the main language. Mm -hmm. So therefore, whenever, which is why it's easier for like a people from Africa to come to these countries like Europe, America, and learn other languages because they learn it from the, from the get-go, learning other languages. So uh -huh. it's easier for us to speak English, it's easier for us to speak French, Spanish, Arabic, all that languages because uh. we are conditioned or we start at a very, very young age to understand that it's cool to speak more than one language. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it's amazing to me because it connects so much, I think, to something else that you talk about and is is in your bio that dance is in a, in a sense, a language that you speak and express through from the very beginning as part of your culture as well. So it's not something you necessarily train in. Could you talk a little bit about, about that? Um, yeah, I'd like yeah. to talk, I'd like you to talk about it because I'd also then like to lead into all of the things, amazing things that you've managed to initiate and, and have continue and maintain in Rwanda and, and that line between education and then expressing oneself mm -hmm. in dance. You know, there's there's so much there. There's so much there. Yeah. Go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's different. <laughs> African dance is is different and the different than the Western like world dance. Like where you you when you think like, hey, what kind of dance do you do? I'm like, hey, I do ballet. Hey, I do jazz. Or I do hip hop. For us, dance is like a it's like another language. To be honest, is is things that our ancestors used to do that basically passed on to generation and generation. Let's say if they used to go fetch water at the river, 
the way they used to go there they will hold back and they'll be dancing and then when they get home they said they make fun of their women doing that and they dance they'll hold their thing and then as you grow at the music place remember how your dad used to dance you hold it too even though you're not doing it right in this in this dna age you still do the dance but that is because the message that was passed on so mm-hmm. this we didn't we, we never used to have like music instrument no let's say radio or speakers so create our own uh, drum put on on our waist and as you dance you're playing the, the instrument you're playing the drum to create the music also dancing at the same time but that move is still still real to them you're still playing an invisible drum as you dance and you create a cool effect or a dance motion and that's basically dance african dance for us it's like a language some messages and lifestyle that have been tra- uh, um, given or passed on from generation to generation mm-hmm. so, yeah. mm-hmm. so with that when, when, when from country or where or, or area let's say the south or the, the the east or the west where you're from when you dance i can tell oh you're from the west because of let's say this 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 area has more sun than the, the other area so you do your dance is related to like hiding from the sun or you know you know the sahara dance it basically it tells me where you're from but just but that, just your dance which means there's no like name or style you just tell me where you're from and your history and your ancestors like a lifestyle Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's mm-hmm. why it's really hard to like a uh, give genre and style of African dance. We just call it African dance. Yeah, and then the rest, the the narrative, the person who's leading, the person who's guiding, you know, is revealed. And on the flip side, your students like me <laughs> reveal their history, <laughs> which is <laughs> so. Um, so that's kind of a com- that's a conversation <laughs> in itself. When you, teach, when you teach like African dance, you have to talk about the history the culture it's like it's a whole it's a whole it's a whole basically classroom if without you re- even realizing that you're learning because you go there like hey this move is because my ancestor used to do this i used to say this and before you know what you know what they used to say and to do just from a dance class and you go home different from mm-hmm. keep up. like hey this is the star this is the line we go home yes, yes. Yeah, 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 that's great. So in Rwanda, how you've been doing such amazing work back home, you have a a student or a school and your students have gone on to win national competitions. And I don't think the winning is necessarily the main part for you or for me in this conversation. I think it's more that there's the the incentive, the goal, the, the camaraderie, the the you know kind of working towards something doing it together all of these things that competitions allow right that the, the okay. national thing and also profile building of those kids those those children like having something really positive in their lives could you talk a little bit about maybe how that came about and what they're doing at the moment and what your involvement in it is now hmm. so we, we call Rwanda a new uh, a young country because um because of the 1994 yeah. genocide. So it was very recent, 1994. It's like yesterday. Like yeah, absolutely. In the 90s, right? Yeah. That, it doesn't feel that way, but the 90s was like, it feels like it was yesterday. If yeah, in world history, I mean, yeah. Genocide in the 90s. Yeah, That's genocide. That used to happen in the, you know, way yeah. back then. But that happened in the 90s for our country, which means everything was destroyed from 
kids uh, losing their parents or wife losing their husband and everything. So it's like us growing up, I me mean, as a kid from the 90s, 1992, growing up, we grew up in that environment where everything was just building up. And uh, I use I use my talent and my love of dance to be to to create that impact or to be part of the change that was needed back at that time. So we we use dance to basically attract street kids because uh, like the, the street kids they don't have money to go to school. They can't afford school. So how do you do you do you educate them or how do you even attract them to come to learn even if the the school is free. This kid have no interest of doing that. They're in the street, they're just doing drugs. So we we use dance. We created a, a dance school or a studio, or you guys will call it here. <laughs> between our studio is is it was free, so there's no payment. We used it to attract those kids. Like, hey, everybody loves to dance. Come learn some dance move, and then they will come one hour of dance class, and then one hour of education, where like a hairstylist will come and take all the girls. Be like, hey. Let me show you how to do something cool with your hair. And they show them how to do hair. Before you, they know it, they fall in love of doing hair. They become hair stylish and they become really good. They can make money and, you know, mm. have a bright future. Other kids will learn how to do, to build houses. They become engineers. They'll become scientists. They'll teach them how, it was the age of HIV AIDS. They'll teach them how to prevent themselves from doing and protect sex and stuff like that. So that's basically... Uh, uh, what I accomplished or built back home in the school is still there. It's called um, it's at the club called the Rafiki, which is a Swahili name of friend or friends. Oh. So yeah, that's 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 the school. But also created uh, one of the best dance group back then there. And uh, me growing up, with dance was viewed as a way, as a way for 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 young kids to to do drugs. Because like, right. like, like I said, dance is part of our life. So if you say that I am a dancer, it's like, huh, that's, that's a way of you saying that I want to do drugs because you can't be a dancer. Dance is not a thing. We dance every day. So if you want to dance, put on the radio, just dance in front of us. You can't go into a group. So you want to go into that group so you guys can have an opportunity to do drugs, do some, you know, bad stuff. But uh, I, used, I used the dance to basically... Um, Show, show the other side of dance that you can actually take a group of young kids and actually use those kids as an example for other kids that this group can be the one that is actually teaching against drug and alcohol use. Yeah. You know? And it went from being that those kind of like a positive influence to be a really good dance group and everybody wanted to do what we are doing. And before you know it, dance the way our parents and family sees dance and a group of dancers became different because every family would love to have their kids come to my dance group or be part of that dance because of the good things. We had a foundation. We will go dance to this, uh, to this uh, home, home where they like uh, shelters. We will, each kid will bring food, clothes, anything that they, they, they don't use on a daily basis to those other kids that don't have it give it to them at the same time perform for them and it was a very very like a positive mindset that was brought and everybody started doing a dance group so if you're a kid you are proud to tell your kid your your, your parents that hey i want to go i want to be in a dance group when mm-hmm. back then a dance group was seen as a drag now it's seen as some people that 
do like cool stuff, help other kids. Yeah, and work and work at something that yes. is like you know such a positive thing for their own for their own kind of self esteem and sense of potential and the and the group effort. You know, so there's there's being part of a group to be part of a group, and then there's achieving something together as a group as mm-hmm. a positive thing, which I think is what they've. Um, yeah, because because back then, for you to have like a foundation, you used to be, he had to be a big company, make a lot of money. But I, I told right. my, my 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 team like, no, a foundation is just, you can help. There is there is there is you have there is shoes that you don't want to wear anymore. You can throw them away, or you can package them, go to these shelters, give them a dance performance for like thirty minutes. And give it that kid that shoes. Not only is it shoes that she's getting for free, but also somebody that they think is the coolest person they've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like just give them a gift. They want to give you a gift, but you are the one giving the gift. That gift means even more. So you see, that's that's the foundation. You can really create a foundation with no capitals, no no money. Just be. Mm-hmm. We, we had fans, right? And we'll invite all our fans to bring something. Before we know it, is is a truck full of stuff. We go to these to these like shelters and like what is happening? You get, where did you get all this stuff? Like we, because we, we, it was the age of Facebook, right? We we'll create uh, we will create an event, and we yeah. had more than five k people following us. Our create event more than five thousand people will show up, oh and we we'll show up with things. Sometimes we'll be like, okay, we've had enough. We don't need the stuff. <laughs> We don't yeah. want any more stuff. No we dance. We, we dance. We don't. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not consumers. Yeah, exactly. We consume movement and energy. We don't. We don't need all of this others. But it's that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, I still do it here though. I still also do it here with Alphabet Van um, yeah. in September because I have a yeah. birthday on September twenty fourth, and it's right before the the winter season. Yeah. So what I do is basically I tell people that come to my class, there's a, a free class at the end of that month where all you do is just donate a the clothes, blanket, or money that goes to these shelters that like, you know, it's about to be winter. There's homeless people that need a cover, they need a blanket, and we still do that. I still do that. Yes, that's amazing. What brought you to Canada then, Izo? Um, Canada. What brought me to Canada? With mm-hmm. all those amazing things I was doing back home, Mm. I had that 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 dream. I had that dream. We're gonna talk about it with with my show, but so you don't need to say too much if you want to <laughs> yes. save it for the show. For today, what mm-hmm. do you think is the thing that's on your mind about mm. why Canada or why leave or something a bit more, maybe a little bit more abstract than yeah. than what you might tell us in the show? Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's that that sense of like a personal accomplishment because I create the best dance group in my country. I was competing nationally and we were so good. And I used to watch YouTube videos and I would see uh, people in America, especially LA dance and compete. I was like, I want to be part of that. I want to compete with the best of the best. You know, I want to teach at the best studio in the world. It was kind of like a like I, I moved here to basically expand my knowledge uh, about dance and dance in general, and that's that. That's why I moved to uh, moved to Canada, and uh, also you know, this this that the the American dream, you know, 
like <laughs> real kid in Africa that is that is trying to reach for the stars and where it's better than doing it in America. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. and also that you you achieved it in Rwanda, mm. but the but it became not only is the dream a kind of global thing, mm. but I I think what's so amazing is that it it was you made it possible you you followed your dream in Rwanda I think that's what I'm trying to say you Mm -hmm. you started it in Rwanda like with the national company with all of those things like it's the same dream right Mm. it's the same thing but Mm. as you said Rwanda is a small country let me interrupt you for a minute sorry about that yeah Yeah. you're saying that right yeah you're saying that you I started my dream in Rwanda and that's basically kind of like the, the little bit of the show package is, okay. is the way the way I did it in Rwanda was was hard, right? In yeah. terms of like the resources that you can get in Rwanda than the resource that I get here in in Canada, right? And that's one of the things that we want you to move in Canada is the resources. Here we have only one one studio, right? Yeah. And that one studio is is only one teacher, it's only me. Right, but when you move to Canada, there is thousands and thousands of studios with different, different teachers with different, different like ideas that you can learn and and you know expand your dance knowledge from. But the, mm-hmm. also the way you do dance in Rwanda is different than how you do dance in Canada, right? Yeah. The, this 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 the way mindset, the way African people see dance. It's not an art form. It's just a way. It's a lifestyle. What do you mean you're a dancer? What else do you do for a living? You know, yeah. you come here to like, hey, I'm a dancer. Ooh, an artistic director. How many shows have you created? They're excited to hear about your your, your art. But in Rwanda, they're like, hmm, okay, you're a dancer. But what else do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind mm-hmm. of like idea, yeah. It's yeah. kind of like the interview. And and what I what I think is also happening, and it's probably been happening, I think, since oh, 2017, when mm-hmm. you set up Afrobeats yes. Dance Band, you've you've brought something new to mm-hmm. Vancouver that was mm-hmm. missing, that we mm-hmm. that was lacking. I mean, it, I think it's obvious that you had to set mm-hmm. this up for you as part. It's part of your dream. It's part of um, the thing that you came here to do. But mm-hmm. in in the time that you have set that up, I know you have a huge following, but I think there's also some frustration there with mm-hmm. you a little bit about about it or about not necessarily how it's being received or definitely not by the people who know about it and, and take part in it. Everybody understands, you know, its importance or significance. But mm-hmm. could you talk a little bit, because you have mentioned how it, it is a little bit maybe disappointing, maybe that's the wrong word, but for you that there isn't may, maybe more of it or there, there's lack of representation of black culture in Vancouver. Am I understanding that correctly? Or would yeah, you, yeah. could you talk yeah, a bit yeah, about that? That's correct. Yeah, so yeah, when I moved here, I was very excited to like um, learn and, and, and expand my dance knowledge. And I took a lot of classes and and uh, I'll give you like a, a little bit of an analogy. It's like... Great. Some people say that I love to cook. I love to cook until they 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 they, they start working in a restaurant where cooking now is is, is just a job. You're like you're on the clock, they are stressing you out. When is this order coming out? Hey, this look really bad. Where's the garnishing and all kind of stuff? The stress start to mount out. Now you remember how you used to cook at home on the radio. You make people try your food. They love it. The sauces are perfect. 
you make the plate, the family eats, and you're like, oh my God, I love cooking. But now you're nervous and like, I hate cooking. <laughs> so that, that's, <laughs> that's how, in a way, that it felt because back home, dance is, is, is a celebration, right? We dance when you're celebrating anything. You, you, when you're performing, you're showcasing, you know, it is an exchange. I do a move, you do a move. People celebrate us. We love it. It's fun. But here, it's that feeling like work. You go to a studio, a teacher comes in front of you, it tells you what to do. You know what I mean? There's a note, there's a line you need to hit, everything is precise. There is a lack of there is a there's a lack of like a self-expression, basically. I, mm-hmm. I came here to dance, right? But it feels like I'm not dancing. I'm just following instruction. Mm. Right? Yeah. This, the, 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 that freedom of self-expression, that freedom of enjoying the music, the dance that is taken out because everything is so much structured in a way. That's what mm-hmm. I felt. So I was like, huh, this is not what I like. I love about dance. I love that self-expression. I love that freedom of giving somebody a move and tell them, show me what you can do with it. Play with it. Change it if you feel like it. You know what I mean? Improvise. That's dance for us black people or where I grew up mm-hmm. and how I grew up. So that's that's basically what I sometimes tell people that I start to hate dance. It's not really that I start to hate dance. I start like not enjoying as much as I used to when I used to do it back home. And that's what pushing me to create Afrobeat, Afrobeat Van because with African dance, there's that like, there's not too much structure. There is one move that is done and there's so many ways you can do that move. The way you feel like, the way you look, the way you stand, and it feels right. And everybody celebrate that. And that's that's basically what. And I feel like there was also like a lack of black representation. There was lack of, there is hip hop, there's jazz. But if I am black and I'm from Rwanda or Cameroon or Nigeria, and I want to dance to my music, where do I go? Nowhere that is offering that stuff. I'm like, let me do that for my mm-hmm. black brothers and sisters from home. They are missing their home and they're trying to you know, get back to their roots or connect to their roots. This class is gonna help them achieve that. If you're black, you feel like home. If you're someone else, it, have, it gives you that freedom of to enjoy dance. You know, when you're cleaning at home, you play radio, or you're in the bathroom, you're showering, and you're listening to music, that freedom of movement, that's what I wanna give to the people. And that's basically what Afrobeat Appa and Afrobeat Van stands for. And that's why I created it. So great. I'm so glad you did. And I'm so glad it's here. And I know so many people who also feel the same way. Um, And I just want to talk a little bit about how, as a contemporary dancer for me, which is such an open term, like, you know, it, it like almost doesn't mean anything anymore to say, you know, it doesn't categorize anybody really it's just somebody who is currently dancing you know Mm -hmm. or currently training or currently performing or like currently creating so that's all of us but I do find as an improviser I find that freedom and then in certain classes I also look sometimes I might look like I'm uh, fooling around a little bit because I'm not doing it as strictly as other people or I'm not necessarily like I'm allowing for my interpretation to come through and I can't help it I'm a choreographer and a and an improviser but within mm-hmm. certain contemporary styles and certain dance styles I, f- I feel confident enough to do that because it's who I am it's what I'm trained in 
I can justify those decisions. But if I'm going to a, diff a different form, mm -hmm. I experience the same thing that you've talked about, where I feel like I'm not really getting to the form or to what's behind or to the essence of the technique. I'm being taught steps. And, and the expectation is that I will do those steps correctly, depending on the teacher. Mm -hmm. If they don't express this as now I want you to dance this, then mm -hmm. it all feels like everybody in the room is just learning the steps. Mm -hmm. And so I mentioned this because in your class, you are adamant with us. <laughs> and you make this part of how you teach us the choreography because you are teaching us phrases. And I feel very much that they are specific and particular but I also understand that you need us in the class to show who we are as we are learning this material. And you are adamant with some people that they are not dancing. They are just stepping, essentially, and stepping not. So therefore, they are not even doing what, what the choreography is because they are not bringing such a huge aspect of what it is to to dance these moves or what it is to dance. I wonder how you feel about that. Like, I know you get frustrated with us. <laughs> so um, can you, yeah. can you share with our listeners a little bit about that experience? Cause it is joyful at the same time. It's not like it's, it's a rigor and it's a strictness. You're asking us to be with ourselves in order to find this expression. So just for the listeners, I don't want them to think it's like, you know, yeah. like, no, no, it, it, I, don't, I don't get frustrated. <laughs> it's, it's, it's because, um, I, this is another analogy I want to use. Uh, growing up, growing up, uh, they wanted us to learn to learn French in school, right? And um, some some school didn't have the budget to hire really good speaking French speaking people, so they would just hire random people that think they know how to speak French, right. and they'll teach teach the kid to say wrong stuff. Let's say you say le ballon, they say le ballon, and for the last six years of their elementary school, they're learning how to say le ballon as le ballon, right? As they go to, to university now, they have a really good teacher. Now they realize, ooh, I've been saying it wrong. But now it's so hard to change it because for the past six years, you've been doing it that way. So to switch that switch off and on, it's it takes also another six years to put in the system to change that. <laughs> so what, what I think happens here with most Western people is the way that you guys uh, understand dance is different. And it's kind of like weird in a way because <laughs> it's called dance. You dance, you do not move. But I feel like the way that studio are designed and the way that the dance industry or system here is, is they force you guys to just move most of the time. For us, music comes fast. Music plays, you listen to the music, you start to move. For you guys, you create the moves, you learn the moves, then you try to fit in, in the music. So you see, there's that lack of like a, I am dancing to I am moving with the mu music, right? So that's the idea. So think about it. The teacher comes in class, they stand of you, they show you a bunch of moves. A class is one hour. You're gonna realize that you learn the moves for the past for the for the fifty minute of the class. You're just learning the moves, and then at least five or ten minutes last the last class. That's where he plays the music, and that's where we dance to the music. You see, so you've been doing for that long, 
it just get into your system without you realizing it. Before you know it, that's who you are. So you're not a dancer. You're just a mover. You just move in the, in the music, right? And there's nothing wrong about it. It's just that we should be able to, uh, with our classes, design it in a way that the music, it takes a biggest part of the dance. So I play the music. As I play the music, I'm dancing to the music. I show you how the beat goes. And then we add the movement. We try to dance with the music. So for one hour class, we're dancing for at least 30 minutes or 40 minutes. And then the movement takes less time i don't know if that makes sense so that's yeah, how absolute we, sense. that's the difference between where i'm from where you hear the music the music comes first you hear the music you start to dance to the music to move to the music here you'd move and then the music comes it's basically is the it's switched around i make yeah. music the essential part of the dance you make yeah. the movement the essential part of the dance because i really I, I go to contemporary like uh, shows and they play the guitar or the piano and somebody's moving i'm like are you even listening to what is playing they're just doing moves but the, it, it doesn't fit anywhere in the music it's like singing off key i'm like and people are enjoying it they're loving like look how elegant she is i'm like oh yes she's very very elegant she moved elegantly but she's not dancing it's supposed to be a dance show you know what i mean yeah, I do. And I and I feel that I'm my attraction to Afrobeats is because I've also been very frustrated with that in a class structure for, mm-hmm. you know, Western style dancing, because that's not how I do it. That's not how I teach. And it's not that's not how I teach contemporary. Mm-hmm. I, I one of the things I feel like is lacking, um, as you're talking about, is listening is the mm-hmm. ability to listen, which has a musicality attached to it, which which actually, and I and I think a lot of dancers are not dancers per se, as okay. you know, like or movers in your terms, in your analogy, are not musical. And mm-hmm. the reason why they are not musical is because they have been taught and trained, and it's entrained in them to actually block out any interruption from the technical from the body being in um, them being in control of their own body, regardless of what is happening around them, which includes music, right? So for me, there's an element of um, the listening to your environment. And, and lots of people do this too in contemporary work um, where you, whether it's music playing or it's the environment itself, you have a sense of where you are and how you are in relation to that. And I think that's an attraction I found to classes that are about dancing to the music. So that's my attraction to Afrobeats because I feel like I can learn that and, and I can learn to have more confidence in that through the way that you teach particularly, but also in this in the kind of style and be influenced by um, by that. So I'm with you on that. I, it's a frustration for me and sometimes it's a comfort zone for me to be honest, because of course I've been, I've been brought up in that world, but can we get to creation? Yes. Before we do that, I want to tell you how basically how it clicks, how it clicked. I I was taking like hip hop class with friends, like really, really good, good, good dancers. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'd be like, Hey, let's go out dancing. Like, okay, we go dancing. We enter the dance floor. The music is playing. I'm like, okay, dance. 
they glitch. They don't know what to do. Huh. Is the music playing? They are professional dancers. Mm. They don't know how to move. You know why? There's no, there's no, there's no one telling, showing them what to do. Mm-hmm. There's no instructor in front of them showing them what to do. But they are professional dancers. They should be able to actually groove to the music. So you see, the moves comes first, the music after. And that's why we learn how to dance, to be able to hear the music and move with the music, improvise, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So these are professional dancers, but they get to dance when they don't know how to dance. So now they have a drink, they just stand there the whole night, we go home. Mm-hmm. I am there dancing my <laughs> life. Yeah. Right? I danced up a storm it, last night too. Yeah. For, me, for me, it's music. Oh, the music plays, moves just create itself in my head because mm. I was trained to hear the music and improvise and dance. Mm. I am dancing. So that was like, oh, I see what's happening here. If nobody's showing you what to do, you don't know what to do. And you've been dancing, what, your whole life. Yeah, well, I think there's also an, another angle, which I'm not, I, I don't want to put these words into your mouth, but I'll say them, is that um, there are some people who feel like they are above dancing socially because mm-hmm. they are professionals. Mm-hmm. And so they don't want to be seen dancing in a social environment because it's their... Mm-hmm. because they're professional dancers and they don't do that there is mm-hmm. there is that there is that mm-hmm. um which um yeah which is a whole other thing but can right. we get to creation yes creation 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 yeah. uh, all right um the african dream the african dream is i call it my baby <laughs> i i remember i remember sleeping uh in my little bedroom in rwanda and seeing myself on one of the biggest stage in the world, showing my work. And, and here it is, it's, it's, it's about to happen. Uh, a boy from Nyamirambo producing one hour show in Canada all by himself. That's, that's, that's a dream come true. This, 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 this show is not just for me. Um, it's for another young man or woman in Africa with a dream that everything is possible. You know, if you put, you put in the work, and you believe in your dream, anything is possible. So yeah, so the African dream uh, is is in a way an epitome of the American dream. You know, we talk about the American dream, but really, what is the American dream? Yeah, the American dream is I grew up in America. I have all these privileges. I went to school. I did nursing. As soon as I graduate, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to buy myself a big house, drive the best car. But if you look like me, you go to school, you do nursing. I don't think you have the chance or that opportunity to finish school, find a good job, buy a good car and a big house. It doesn't work like that because you look like me. So what's the American dream really? I feel like American dream is for American or people that doesn't look like me. Mm-hmm. So with that, I came up with the African dream, which is different. Mm-hmm. I've worked really, really hard. I am a really, really good dancer, teacher, instructor, choreographer. But to get opportunities to do my work or showcase my work is not easy. And whenever I get this opportunity because of how hard I've been asking and pleading for this opportunity, Sometimes I even forget how good I am and I feel like I don't deserve them. Oh, I feel like I am lucky to be there. 
which is different from the an American person who doesn't look like me, where they're there they're like, yeah, I deserve to be there. Heck yeah, I've been working hella hard to be here. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's the American dream. Is the epitome of the American dream. It draws the parallel between the way an African person sees and understands things compared to the Westerners, right? It draws from uh, personal experience and things other people have told me or did. So yeah, you, ha- you really have to watch the show to understand. For example, if if uh, if you go to Africa, right? If you go to Africa and you you talk to locals and you're like, hey, they ask you, hey, what do you do at night? You're like, hey, let's, I'm a mom or I'm a uh, I have a family, and at night we have movie nights. They're like, okay, what is movie night? They don't know what movie night. They don't do movie night. So you, you're here trying to explain to them what a movie night feels like. Oh, we have a big screen. We have a big couch. We have blankets. We make popcorn. The whole family sit there, watch a movie, eat popcorn. It's beautiful. It's fun. It's memorable. They're like, okay. They don't know popcorn. <laughs> they don't yeah. know big screen. They don't know a big couch. They live in a hut. Mm-hmm. All they do is wake up, go to the to do their stuff, make food and whatever that that is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's basically the Western world how you see things, mm-hmm. right? And then there's an African way of listening. Me if I tell you, hey, as African, ah, dance dance is a way of life. Mm-hmm. It's how we celebrate. If one of my sister get married. We're going to dance. Gonna be, okay. But the way you see dance is I go in the studio, I learn a dance, we have a performance, we perform it. Very different way of explaining it. Yeah, so very African, different. So African, <laughs> my, the African dream is basically draws the power from experience and try to explain from a point of view of an African person and a point of view of a Western or an American person. Uh-huh. If... If I was, if I was uh, an American telling people about movie night, or if I was a black person telling people about how we dance in Africa, how those two worlds explain their view and lifestyle to somebody who've never experienced that or yeah. lived that, to be yeah. able to understand that. So yeah. yeah, that's basically the African dream. So the first, it has two parts, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, so one, one hour show. Yeah. The first 30 minutes is basically the African way of life. It mm. stays in Africa and it shows you how we live life in Africa. If mm. you're black, if you've never been there, mm. I will draw you an experience. You're going to feel like you are there. You're living it with them. Huh. And then the second part after the intermission, I'll bring you to America and show you how a black person that lives in America, how he sees the world from their lenses compared to someone who's grown or doesn't look anything like me. And so, Canada, yeah. do you feel like you have had more opportunity in Canada rather than in, like, the United States of America? Like, you mentioned that a little bit earlier, that mm. um, do you feel the same, do you feel that the American dream is the Canadian dream? In, in the way that you're talking about it, or are you... So I, see, I, see, a, I see America as the, the continent, America, you know. Yeah, at the yeah. Americas and kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah so, kind of. yeah, so I wonder if there's something about, like, you mentioned nursing, 
And mm-hmm. I, I wonder if we could maybe just touch on that a little bit, because I, I believe you're, you are actually, you mentioned nursing, but I think mm-hmm. you are in nursing school right now, aren't you? Yes. No, Is I just correct? graduated this year. Graduated you just graduated. Congratulations. Yeah, I graduated in February. And because I've been in you know, nursing science schools, it really takes so much time. So I've been in yeah. school for so long and focused my whole time in school, only had a few teach classes so I never had the time to basically sit down have this free time to like work and create work yeah so I want to use the these two years of sitting of creating my own work artistically and see where it takes me if it because like like I say I, I am black and opportunity that I get from nursing and opportunity that I get from artistic work are different like yeah like I'm very, I'm easily replaceable as a nurse that I can be as an artistic. Because what I bring as an artistic is unique, is different. It's so hard to find somebody that thinks or do things the way I do it. Yeah. But in nursing, because it's very structured, right? Mm-hmm. Tomorrow they can wake up like, hey, Isaac, uh, bye-bye. We have found somebody to replace you. Yeah. Even though I've been in school and studied for this long, I am easily replaceable. Mm-hmm. Which is different from art. Art, nobody have lived the same life that I've lived. Nobody have seized things the way I see it or create the thing that I can create in an art form. So therefore, I have bigger chance of success. So when I give two years a try and see where this takes me with my show, after that, I'm intending to, to tour with it and see where it takes me. Yeah. I can come back to science. I have the paper. All I need is a diploma. As yeah. soon as you get that paper, you, you you're safe. <laughs> you're safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They can't. That that can never be taken away from you. Just the same way that your artistic expression and your creativity is with you. But mm-hmm. it, but the but the goal and the dream is to be able to share that with more people. Yes. And both of both of the professions you've chosen are about similar things. You know, like in it, it's that like positive and care and but there's a the very different ways of expressing them I just want to mention the one thing about the you've got the paperwork and you've got from the structured education that you had with the nursing it there's an an, an analogy right there that people who train in dance in the western world also get the paper to show that they have been trained in and qualified to dance me i mean i have a phd in dance right so dance research but at phd level it has to be your own absolutely your own research and but to get there i went through a whole structured system of like being told and having the paperwork the paperwork that shows i'm qualified to dance which is kind of also ironic and kind of funny and hilarious that that would be a way of certifying somebody as a dancer which mm-hmm. you know is but but then that speaks to the societal you know and the, the societal structure structuring yeah. and bureaucratic systems that we are in so I think it's wonderful because you're playing you're playing those and I continue to play those like make them work for me but also make sure that I am I do it with purpose I know what it is for me to do mm-hmm. these things i know how important they are for me and i want these things to also be in order to help and support and and serve others without losing myself in that process and i think you're the same yes and that so i i think this has been brilliant thank you so much for taking the time with me 
and for sharing this with listeners. I'm very excited about your show, which will be 16th of September. At the Dance Centre. Yeah, at the Scotiabank Dance Centre. It's also part of the Open House. It will be the same day as the Open House, but it's its own event in the evening. So more details to come on that. Yes. I know you've you've created work already, some other choreographies. You are also an artist, I believe, with Dance West Network. So yes. people can follow you. Izo Dream Chaser is your Instagram, I believe. People can follow you, but Afrobeats Van is Afro also... The business. I really, yeah, I really do encourage people. If you want to know, want to peek into the class, have a look. Or follow the Instagram. You'll get some um, little teasers in there. Um, that's so great. And um, yeah, thank you for this, Isaac. And um, hopefully we'll talk again. But yeah, I wish you all the best for your creation and everything. And uh, thanks so much. So glad well, you're here. Thank you for the, the wonderful conversation. Appreciate yeah, it's it. It's great. Awesome. I'll see you in class. Okay. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We would love for you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, as this will help other listeners find us and help us to grow our dance audience. We'll be back next month. In the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook at The Dance Centre, Twitter at Dance Centre, and Instagram at The Dance Centre BC. And if you'd like to support our work, please consider making a donation. Just go to our website at thedancecentre.ca, where you'll find extensive information about our upcoming programmes and events. The music for The Dance Centre podcast was composed by James B. Maxwell. Always a pleasure to connect with you through dance. Until next time. Mm-hmm.